Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. sacrifice to the lives that we have the privilege. You know, thing is we're not meeting underground today. That's right. We're not having to hide for, for uh, concern that, you know, we're, we're found out and uh, our lives put on the line for coming together in fellowship and in the name of Jesus we have the freedom that someone paid to give us that, that freedom. So can we just pray for a moment for our nation? Father, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have to come together around your word and uh, the fellowship of one another, the strength that comes from fellowship and uh, the strength that comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit that's uh, here with us and within us and upon us. And Father, we just remember those and uh, the family members of those who have loved ones who have served and uh, any branch of the service. And Lord, those who have given the ultimate sacrifice of giving their lives so that we may live free in this nation. Father, we just lift their hearts this morning that might be heavy. We just honor those. Uh, those, of course, we, we don't know who they all are. There's no way to know who they all are, but you know who they are. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we had to live in the United States of America. And Father, we lift up this nation. We lift up every state of, the, of these United States. We lift up our president, his wife, his family. And Father, we just ask you, Lord, to continue to give him wisdom and strength, Father God. Uh, we, we pray the, the blood of Jesus uh, upon him, Father God, for p- protection on, on his, upon his life, each and every day of his life and administration. Lord, we pray for the leaders of the Congress and the Senate and the legislature, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for surrounding our, our president, Father God, with godly wisdom and godly leadership and distancing him from those who, Father God, who would speak a word that is out of season, out of time, or out of will. We thank you, Father God, that this nation has yet to live its greatest moment. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have an assignment upon the United States to take the gospel to the world. And so we lift up our, this nation, Father God, and we thank you, Father God, that this nation returns to a place, Father God, because we're coming to the, the a third and great awakening across this nation, Father God, and you are preparing it for such a time as this. We bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, I just thought I'd just tell you about a little story about a girl who was uh, from Alabama. She went to go visit her parents, or grandparents, actually, in Michigan. That's kind of funny. I was born in Michigan, but I've been here since I was five, so I'm really from Alabama. I had a, they said I had an accent when I, when I got here, but it, uh, it, it left somewhere. I don't know what, what happened to it. So, uh, so it says, uh, they, they subtitled it, If Jesus Was From Alabama. Well, I don't know, maybe he is, but uh, it says a little girl from Alabama, she went to church for the first time ever she was visiting her grandparents in Michigan. And when the pastor announced it was time for the Lord's Supper, she was excited because she was hungry. Now she's from Alabama, right? <clears throat> it said the congregation uh, filed in around the altar rail and the child watched in, in confusion as her grandparents received a wafer in a small little plastic cup of juice or wine, whatever it was, 
she could hardly wait to get back to the pew to tell her her, her Michigan grandma that she says, well, I think we're supposed to have the, the same Jesus, but Jesus can't be from Alabama. She says, Grandma, so how do you know that? Because she said, even at the poorest meal, even at the poorest meal, Mama, uh, Mama on Sunday has fried chicken, mashed potatoes, macaroni cheese, apple pie, and ice cream. <laughs> Jesus can't be from Alabama. Well, if you don't like that one, I got one more for you. How about this? And this is about Miss Green. It says Miss Green peered over the fence and noticed that the neighbor's little boy was in the backyard and he's filling a hole. Curious about what the youngster was up to, Miss Green said, Jimmy, what are you doing? Tearfully, little Jimmy replied, He said, Well, Miss Green, my goldfish died and I just buried him. She said, Oh, I'm sorry. She said, but that's an awfully large hole for a cat. She said, for a goldfish, isn't it? And he said, he's, you know, he's patting down the, the, the dirt over, you know, he finished, was patting dirt down. He says, he said, it is. He said, but the goldfish was in your cat. <laughs> so I think you know what happened there, don't you? Well, good morning once again. And uh, Grace Life Church, love you. Uh, maybe you're watching right now. If not, you will be in just a moment. So happy, uh, Memorial Day to you. Father, if you have ones to serve, we, I know we have people in our congregation or who are veterans, and uh, it's not Veterans Day, but we thank God for everyone who served, and uh, we thank thankful for them. And so this morning, we hope that you're going to be blessed by the Word. We're here, right here at River Church in Tuscaloosa. My name is Eric West. I'm, uh, I'm visiting today, and uh, the Pastor Billings, he'll be back soon. And so we're just going to bring the Word, and uh, we got a lot of people in our church and the church here uh, I've visited doing things on Memorial Day, but those of us who are in the will of God, not just kidding, praise the Lord. We're gonna, we're gonna be strengthened by the Word. If you have your Bible, if you want to go with me, you can go to 1 Samuel 22. We're just gonna read the two verses. Or you can just listen. But in 1 Samuel 22, this is a, this is a, I won't give you the context, but this chapter means a lot to me because I asked the Lord a question in the year 2000. Uh, well, I didn't really ask him. I was out of frustration. I said something, but I didn't say, Lord, what about this? I wasn't really expecting him to talk to me about it. I was just, you ever, you ever thought something and said, Lord, this? And then uh, he actually talked to me, not in an audible voice, but uh, I did look around to see if he was standing behind me. So he was kind of glad I brought the subject up because he was wanting to talk to me about it anyway. And uh, so it goes like this, First Samuel 22, verse 1. It says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dulam. And, and when his brethren and his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. In verse 2, so where's he at? He's in the cave. Now you do know the little context that David already knows he's supposed to be the king of Israel. Matter of fact, the prophets already anointed him. He's not in the palace, is he? So he hasn't taken his new position. Yet in God's eyes, he has. So he has a father-in-law, which is the king of Israel presently, whom God is removing. But uh, his father-in-law has taken a great dislike to him uh, to the place to where he's seeking him out to kill him. So he's hiding from his father-in-law, Saul. And so he's in this cave. And so it says that some of the family knew, of course, of his whereabouts. And it says, uh, and the word kind of got around quietly about where David could be found. Verse 2 says, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, 
And everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he, David, became a captain over them. And there was about 400 men that came to the cave. So David came to the cave running for his own life with a plan for his life that God had planned for him all the days of his life. Well, he hadn't stepped into that place uh, yet. And he's still, like I said, he's on the run from, from Saul. And he's hiding in the cave. But his people are seeking him out. Now, why are people seeking him out? Well, he's anointed. He's called of God. And every time there's a call, there's anointing, which everyone in this room is. If you think this is the ministry, you're 5% of the body of Christ does this. 95% of the body of Christ is the salt of the earth. And really, we call this come to church. We're really not, we're really not come to church today. Actually, we're not doing church or having church just because we are the church, right? And if this is church, then we have grossly misunderstood what Jesus talked about the church. <clears throat> so the church should be a should be mobile. It should, it should be moving. It should be outside the four walls. We come to fellowship together, to fellowship around the Word of God. Certainly, we learn. We get revelation. We are strengthened here. That's important. It's very necessary. But the church doesn't stop at whatever time we say amen and see you all the next time. No, we were the church before we got here. We'll be the church when we get outside the four walls. That's really the plan of God. But it was just kind of interesting. And when, uh, a number of years ago when this was shared with me, I said, uh, I asked the question, a very foolish question. Uh, I didn't know it was foolish at the time. I was much younger. I was uh, full of myself and had a lot of pride. And I asked the Lord, I said, what do I have to do to get your attention? In other words, what I was telling him was, I'm putting out some good word. You aren't blessing me right. You know, there's only like 100 people. You know, this this you're not doing me right, Lord. So he fixed the number for me. <laughs> fixed the finances for me. And all such as this. But he, he, he answered that question that quick. I was out, it was a Saturday night. I was out on my back patio. And I said this in my frustration. What do I have to do to get your attention? He said, do you want to know? And I said, oh my gosh, he heard me. And he says, go get your Bible. I went and got the Bible when I came back outside. He said, go to 1 Samuel 22. My mind was thinking, oh, he, I mean, he, I'm just thinking this up. You ever done that before? I'm just thinking this up. He's now talking to me. Yes. So what did I have to lose? I went to 1 Samuel 22, and he said, read those first two verses. And I said, what do I do, what do, I do to get your attention? And, uh, and, and I said, uh, I said, why aren't you blessing what we're doing more than, than, than you are? This is, what, this is what I'm asking him. And uh, I said, aren't you interested in what we're doing? He said, not much. And that, that, that just hurt my feelings, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I was shocked. I'm like, I thought I was about to get a, a, an award, and, uh, which would have come with a reward. And he said he wasn't that interested in what I was doing. How many of you can be doing church things, but you're not doing the Christ thing? I've shared this verse, uh, it means a lot to me in this church uh, more than once, but don't turn there, but I'm just reminded of it every time I talk about this. You can find it in Philippians chapter 2, 1920. Paul, of course, is in prison. And uh, Paul is trying to send ministry team somewhere else because he obviously can't go there. He's under house arrest for two years. 
So he sends he sends a letter, and in verse 19 and 20 in the Amplified Version, he said, of my ministry team, I have no one to send to you but Timothy. Timothy's the only one who has the same heart that I do. He said he's the only one who shares the same interest of that, of Jesus Christ and myself. He said everyone else in my ministry, he has to be talking about his ministry team, his ministry team. He said the only one I can send is Timothy because everyone else, he said, they all want to advance their own agenda and not the interest of Jesus Christ. I thought, wow, Paul's talking about his ministry team. So everybody had an agenda, but he said Timothy's the only one who has the same agenda of Christ and myself. So the Lord said, I'm interested in verse 2. He said, are you? You want to know how to get my attention? He said, I want to surround you with people. So I got to look at this, and, and I didn't see at that time what he was saying. I said, so you want me to minister to distressful people? You want me to people who are in debt and discontented? He said, yeah, the 3D crowd. <laughs> so I didn't ask any more questions for a few years. <laughs> but this has never got away from me. And so, you know, how many know we still got the 3D crowd in the world? Yes. There's more, there's more medicine taken every day. We know whether it's, uh, whether it's for depression or anxiety or whatever it is, or just get people out of the funk than has ever went through the lips of people of any generation. And how many know that you can live in a very nice neighborhood and still be distressed? Yes. You can just be broke at a higher level. I guess if you're going to be broke, you might as well be broke in a nice neighborhood. But anyway, either way, if you're going to be cash poor. But here's the deal. So it has nothing to do with social status. It has nothing to do with income. Nothing. So everywhere in the world, you'll find people in every city. You'll find people in this category. You won't have to go far. You find them in your neighborhood. You work with them. You go, you go to school with them. You, 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 they're at Walmart. They're 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 at Belks. They're at the Macy's. They're they're everywhere. They're they're at Chick Fil A, and you'll find people there that are in distress and debt, and they're discontented with their life. And God has a plan uh, for them, and He wants to use you and I for that plan. So we're gonna talk about that just a little bit this morning. It'll be a little bit different, but I really believe it's what the heart of God is. Could have shared anything, but I'm only going to share what He told me to share. Uh, otherwise, that'd uh, that'd be my idea. So I guess if we're going to entitle this this morning, I guess we would call it Faith to Change Your World or Faith to Change the World. Everybody say it with me. Faith changes the world. And now we're talking about your faith can change the world. So it's, it's how we view all these things. It's because everything and everyone and everyone on this planet has something they're wanting to change about their life. How many have something that you would view something in some some area of your life that you you would like to change today if you could change it today? Just something. I mean, you know, I, I'm still believing to be six three, and uh, this last year I've been through a little bit of traction, so I am taller. Wow! And uh, so I, I went through traction twice a week for a few months uh, for some spine issues. And, and uh, when I would go to a doctor, they say, well, you know, they get your height and your weight, and that's all changed too. But uh, I, I said, no, I'm 5'10". And she said, no, you're a little over 5'11". I said, no, I'm not. She said, yeah, you are. 
And I went to the next visit, and I said, I'm 5'10". She said, no, you're a little over 5'11". So I found out if you go to traction long enough, you can become taller. But I'm telling them to slow off a little bit because I think it's all going to end up in my neck, and I'm going to have a giraffe neck. Is what they tell my church, and I, I don't want to get it all there. You know, six, six three would be cool, but not, not if it's all in your neck. So anyway, maybe I'll get them to start pulling on my feet a little bit. Well, that's a good idea. So everything that God created is a solution to a problem. And you said that you would like to change something about your life. I would too. We all would. And so everything is a solution to a problem. So sometimes we look in the way to, to get away from problems, and actually we, we should be here to look for problems because you've been called to solve problems. Did you know that? You work in an industry somewhere. If you're, if you're in the working force, you, you do something that solves a problem. Everything that we need to live, whether we're eating or a household item, everything, whether you make furniture or sell furniture, whether you, you know, you're a plumber or you're an electrician or you, you know, you, you make cabinets or you sell cabinets or whatever, just uh, er- everything a human needs to live creates an industry. Everything, you know, whether it's perfume or tissue paper, everything creates, creates an industry. And so uh, it, we're, we are actually rewarded in proportion to the problems that we can solve. Now, I don't know what, you know, it, what, what should make the, the, uh, the scale fair one over another, but you know, the, the guy who picks up the trash every week, I'm thankful for that guy. Oh, yes. uh, how, how would you like for that to pile up for about three months? But somehow we don't pay him the same as a brain surgeon because they solve different issues and one pays a higher price to do what they do. So there's a different compensation. So it looks like the bigger problems you solve, maybe, maybe, the, maybe you're, the, the reward's even greater. But everyone's uh, here to solve an issue. And we're talking in the lives of people mostly. So we're talking about people that's going to come to your life. They're going to be in distress. They're going to be in debt. And they're going to be looking for answers. And they're crying out to God whether you know it or not. Or if they don't know God, they're just crying out. And they're saying, God, if you're there, what's the plan? What's the plan? What's the plan? Uh, uh, th- this month, I uh, end my 24th year in ministry. Uh, in a week or two, I'll start my 25th year. There's two things that most people want to know in my 25 years. I can't speak any of the pastor. Two things that people ask for prayer the most. They ask, would you pray? I don't even really know why I'm here. Second thing they want, they want is peace. The, the two are intertwined. Hmm? When you know why you're here and you're in the will of God, you'll always have peace. But when you're still trying to figure out what am I actually here for, then it's, it's frustrating because we're, we're good people, we love God, but we don't really know why we're actually here. And we're wondering, is, is there any more life than this? I do this, I do this, I go to work, come back, I, I cook supper, I feed the kids, we get up homework, you know, we cut the grass, we do this, we watch uh, gun smoke, we do whatever. We read the Bible, we go home, and we do it all over again. Well, that's part of life. It'll always be that way, uh, you know, on this side of heaven. But that's not the purpose why you're here. God has you here for a purpose. He's never done anything without purpose. So everything is designed by Him by purpose. So your assignment from God will always solve a problem. Your call is always going to solve a problem. So your life, you can say it this way, is a solution to someone in trouble. Hmm. 
Now, I hope you listen to this. These are very simple things. But if you think about these terms, that my life, when I leave church today, my life, when I go back into the workforce ne- next week or whatever I'm doing, that my life is a solution to someone in trouble. So that means we were all created to help change somebody. Now, we're not called to help everybody because you don't know everybody. He said go into all the world, but he didn't tell you to do it by yourself. So we're not called to everyone, but we're always called, but we are called to someone. So our assignments are unique. Uh, we may have similar calls, but our, our giftings unique. Our abilities are different, uh, but the call is still the same to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. The way we do it is just differently. Like I say, in in ministry. Uh, and this is one way of ministry. I think it may be, I, uh, this is probably, uh, I'll, I'll say it and you will cut it out if you want to a little bit later. Just step, step. This may be one of the least effective ways to do it. It's God ordained. And this is, you know, ministering the gospel and pastoring is God ordained. But, you know, you can minister to people that I can't minister to. Because as soon as they find out, they put a REV peer in front of my name, a wall goes up. So, I try not to tell them if they don't know me. They'll say, well, what do you do? I say, I'm in sales. <laughs> no, I am. I'm, not, I'm selling this gospel everywhere I go. So, I just, well, what do you sell? I said, man, I sell uh, health products, things, you know, that bring, you know, inner peace. And I do a little motivational speaking. <laughs> I mean, that, that they really have to force me to... Well, we're going to come here. Well, I'll, I'll be, I'm actually going to speak in a church Sunday. <laughs> and the, 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 so the least they know, the more that they'll talk. And if they don't know me, you know, there's a, there's a part of almost like, uh, like being a Catholic to them. They want to start confessing things, especially if, if I'm out of town, they don't know me. Could I tell you what's been going on? My life? You really don't have to. <laughs> so people will talk to a stranger. Well, we're here to solve problems. And uh, that's just not for me. This is not for me because I'm what you call in the ministry and you're not. No, you're in the ministry. The Bible says he has given you the ministry of what? Reconciliation. What are you doing? You're reconciling things that's out of order back to order. Right. And that's been your ministry is to put things. God reconciled the world. We were lost. He reconciled us back to God. You find someone who's sick in body, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to lay hands on the sick and reconcile their sick body back to the plan of God, which is health. If they're having emotional issues, we're supposed to reconcile that back to the peace, right? And so we're all in the ministry of reconciliation. So said this before, but everyone's looking to improve something in their life, whether it's their health or their relationships, a financial situation, their spiritual life. Uh, uh, goals in their life just change their living conditions just, you name it everyone's looking to change something so it's really are we looking and are we listening uh, I was in your city uh, this is my third time this week and uh, Friday uh, Michelle and I came uh, to visit pastor and uh, I said while we're in town I don't know why so I want to show you something it won't take just a minute. And she says, well, you better get gas because that light right there means uh, you're about out. And, uh, and I, listened. I listened to her. She says that because years ago she told me that, and I told her, I, 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 we're okay. 
She said, I'm telling you. Now, this was a minivan years ago. We had four kids and on all the way to church. And she says, this van, I'm telling you, when that light comes on, you better get gas. I said, ah. Well, it was summer. And it was Sunday night. And I was in a full seat with the vest underneath it on a hot August day. And uh, that that van, uh, it, it quit. And I walked two or three miles. There wasn't no cell phones. I had no way of telling them why the pastor wasn't going to be there in a few minutes. And so I, I, I looked, I, I went and pulled the, the hood up, which I didn't need to. I knew what was wrong with it. But I didn't want to admit to my wife, you know, there's that pride thing again. So I looked under the hood, you know, like, you know, there's something else wrong with it. And uh, the Lord said, uh, what, are you, what are you looking for? And I said, uh, he said, do you know what the problem is? I said, yes, sir. He said, close the hood. And then he said this to me. He said, if you ask your wife to forgive you, and you'll ask me to forgive you, I'll let this car get to the gas station. Well, I was about three miles away. And I'd already, uh, 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 there's just nothing in it, you know. And so I said, it's like Jesus asked on the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, is there any other way to do this? <laughs> I said, is there any other? He says, not a, he said, yeah, you can walk to church. <laughs> and if you want to take all them little fellows all sweating, I said, oh, okay, here we go. So I asked Michelle to forgive me. And of course she did. And I went in there and I said, well, here we go. Let's see. It cranked right up. I put it in drive. It went all the way to the station. And as I pulled to the station, it cut off and I rolled to the pump. So she told me yesterday, she said, this car won't run that far when that light comes on. I said, we're going to get us some gas. <laughs> See, I learned. I learned. <laughs> but I didn't get it right then because I wanted to go somewhere pretty close to the station where I was going. It would have been better order to do it the other way because I was going to actually... Uh, the gas station was on the right and the place that I wanted to go was on the left. I, I don't want to call where it is because we're, we're live and who knows. So... Uh, live on Facebook, so I don't know who might hear. So it's private in that sense. And the, pl- the establishment was on the left, and I wanted to go there. So after I was going to get through over there, I'd actually have to cross the road. So it just, it just didn't make sense. I said, no, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go over there. And uh, I wasn't going miles. I mean, it was from here. I could see it. And uh, so we went there, and this is a place for sales. And uh, and I know how sales works. When you got a salesman, they take a routine. Uh, most of them call it this. Uh, there's your your next customer's yours. Sometimes I said this is your up. And so a person comes out, greets us, and I said we're interested in looking at so and so. So she takes us out to show us this and show us that and show us this and show us that. And she's not feeling well. She didn't tell me she wasn't feeling well. I just knew she wasn't. She's a little bit younger than us. And uh, about, about the same age. And uh, she was having a little trouble, you know, focusing. And she said, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just having some uh, issues. And she said, trying to keep my thoughts together. And I just, and, and it was quiet. And actually, there was some furniture there. I said, What's the that? I said, What's the matter? I'll call her Linda if I can call her Linda. I said, What's the matter, Linda? She says, Well, I got the situation at home with my child, with my daughter. And, uh, She's, she's in prison. She's in jail. And this is not the first time. And she's calling, wanting me to get her out. And, and 
she says, all I can do not to go get her, but I shouldn't. And she said, I, I just can't hardly, I, I, I shouldn't even be here today. That turned into a two-hour ministry. She said, I, I just knew. She said, I didn't even know what, who you were or what y'all did. She says, but when y'all walked in the door, there was just something different about the two of you. Well, I, I didn't have a word of knowledge. Here's a woman that you could just tell she was, in a sense, just having a, a difficult time in life focusing. I think she was a single mom and trying to deal with all this on her own. A, a grown child, but, you know, put yourself in that condition and concerned. So we began, she's a Christian and she has a church here in this city, not taught some of the same things you are, you know, along the lines of authority and the power of the spoken word. And so after about an hour and a half, I'm hooking up to websites and this and that. And here we are praying and all such as this. And she's supposed to be trying to sell me something and we're handing her Kleenex so she can cry and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, that's what I'm talking about. In the world, everywhere you go, there's someone who's in debt, they're in distress, and they're discontented. And that's what Jesus was interested in. And that's why he said in Philippians 2, he says, yeah, they're out doing ministry, but only Timothy is the only one that I can send to you because the rest of them are advancing their own interest in, in quote, ministry, but they don't have the heart of the Messiah. Wow. So that was a big wake-up call for me. And so these people are everywhere. You don't, you, don't, you, don't have, you don't have to look far from them. And sometimes we've been those very same people, and we need someone to reach out to us. Don't you think so? You say, well, I'm not qualified. Well, if you're, well, you are qualified if you're born again. God doesn't look for qualified people and call them. He calls them and he qualifies them, right? So he, he's not looking up and down the, the, the halls of Bible school and uh, to find what he thinks uh, people who are going to be the most qualified. He's looking at the heart. We know that. And so we all possess these different gifts and abilities, and we possess these uh, supernatural supernatural gifting about each one of us that is, is flavored different. It comes out in different operations. It comes out in different administrations. It can be it can be never doing what I'm doing. I mean, the Lord may just give you a ministry of baking cookies and cakes and loving people and just showing up at the right time with a smile. Could be just in the ministry on the telephone or texting and encouraging people. Uh, just just showing up and being there when someone needs you to be there. That's just as important as anyone who stands up and preaches to a stadium of people. It's just a different facet of ministry and reconciliation. Sometimes it's just your compassion. Sometimes it's just your warmth. Uh, your personality can do it. It'll, it'll draw people in. And uh, the reason why we was able to help her, she said, well, I've had this situation. And I said, well, I've had situations uh, just like that. So I she says, well, you have a lot of knowledge of the Bible. And I says, well, thank you, but that's not what I'm talking to. I'm not talking to you from knowledge. I'm talking to you from compassion. Because you're tormented. And here come tears again. And I said, it's not the will of God. So I says, so, so we stood up and we prayed together in this facility. It was just worked out. No one was there. And we just prayed and we released and we did. And we took authority or some situations concerning her, her child, her daughter. And she says, uh, um, how can I get materials? Do you have books? Do you have DVDs? Do you have CDs? Do you have, are you on television? Are you on so-and-so? Now, what, now, why did she ask that and who asked the question? She asked the question. Why? Because 
God sent us there to minister to a need, and now she is asking for information. See what I'm saying? So we're, we, we need to be able to look beyond ourselves, even though we have issues with life. And uh, Jesus said the fields are white, they're ready to harvest. Always ready to harvest. But we have to have eyes to see. And there's always, they're always around us. And so I'm just telling you, I mean, I, I love pastoring and I love ministering the Word, but stuff like that happened Friday to me. I do that. Oh, just, oh that, that is so fun to be able to watch people be set free and uh, and just really watch God show out. So uh, if you've got struggles or setbacks or disappointments, then uh, they can be conquered, and, uh, and you can help people conquer the same issues in their life. Uh, I always say it this way. Jesus understood the importance of being a good listener. Jesus was a great listener. Did he speak? Yeah, he spoke all the time. But he also was a listener. You know, whether it's good or not, right or not, and perhaps it's a little humbling, I found out in counseling, the only time I've ever been told that was, well, there's two times they said, Pastor, now that's, that's your counseling today was, you don't know how much you helped us. That happened to me twice, that they were just so complimentary. Just turns out, I don't know, maybe it's a coincidence, both times I said nothing. I opened the door, handed them, uh, took them and shook their hand or hugged them and took them to the office and I know they always had some Kleenex there and gave them water and then I told them goodbye. Wow. Well, and they said, everything you told us today is exactly what we need, <laughs> needed to hear. And I thought, well, that's a wonderful thing. See, so I said, uh, I said, hello and goodbye. What did they need? A good listener. Just a, just a good listener. So Jesus understood the principle of being a good listener. He knew that if he could get people to listen, he could change their lives. If he just could get people to listen, and when you listen to them, you earn the respect for them from them. I mean, they know whether you care. You, you, you can't fool them. And the younger they are, the more they know. They know if you actually care. They don't care what you know unless they know that you care. And so Jesus knew that. He was a good listener. And here's three things. All this is real simple. Uh, Jesus knew why he came. We can go to all the scriptures. He knew why he was here. First John says, I, I came to destroy the works of the devil. Is that right? So he knew why he came. Jesus totally understood his assignment, and he stuck to his mission. Three simple rules. Why am I here? Understand my assignment. What's my mission? Jim Collins wrote a book about business. And, uh, and he, uh, Jim, I think it's Jim Collins, and he goes in and he analyzes large corporations and, and if they're, whether they're in trouble or just trying to be more profitable. And he says, we have, to, we have to have an understanding of two things to move forward in your business. He said, first, I have to know, your, you know what is your business and understand the nature of your business. So after they settle that, that's his, that's his first question. What's your business? Okay. Question number two. How's business? Then when he gets the answer number two, then he gets started. Because you can know what the business is, but are you getting results from it? Hmm? You can you can say, I'm here for this. Is it fruitful? Is it working? So is it is it something that someone else gave us to do? Is it something he gave us to do? Are we on our plan? We are on his plan. Uh, you can't always look in the beginning of something and say, well, it's not fruitful because of 
the numbers aren't or the money's not or we don't have this. You know, there's always a building period. It's, it's foundation. It's like building a home. The, the slowest thing is the foundation. The, the foundation is boring, right? I mean, if you're going to build a new a new home, I mean, you know, men and women, the, the women want to see the cabinets go up. They want sheetrock. We want that AC guy coming here, right? Well, y'all digging around in the dirt and pulling strings and all kinds of stuff and pouring concrete. And this, I want a house. Well, you better let that guy do his job or you won't have a house. Because you can't build anything upon anything unless you have a proper foundation. Jesus came. He was the foundation. So he knew why he was here. He knew why he came. He knew his assignment. And he knew his mission. We know John 10.10. And we all could quote this without looking at it. But John 10.10 says, Satan come to do what? Steal, kill, and what? See, we know that really good. Jesus said, I came to what to do what though? Give life life and give to us more abundantly. Now, little thing here. I know you know this. Jesus did not come to give you abundant life. Jesus came to give you life abundant. What's the difference? Well, abundant life can just be stuff. The amount. By, in, in, in that sense of, of looking at it, the mafia might have abundant life. The drug dealer might have abundant life. That might be a pool and two Ferraris and a 15,000 square foot mansion and butlers and maids. And, uh, you know, they could have abundance in life. That's not what the scripture said. This church is well trained, so I don't have to spend any time with this. What does is, what is the word life mean? It's the word zoe, right? Z-O-E. The life and the very nature of God. Kind of the DNA that makes God God. He said, that'll be in you. So he didn't say, I'll come to bring you abundance of stuff in your life. I'll come to bring you abundance of life, Zoe, and and that life I'm going to give you, I'm going to give to you in abundance. So, like I said, the, the, the mafia has abundant life. The drug dealer could have abundant life. But we have life, the real life of God, and he says, I'm going to give it to you in abundance. The Amplified said, until it even overflows. If it overflows, then you'll get to this little person like we got to Friday and change their lives. If it's not overflowing, you don't even notice her. I had enough issues going on in my own life Friday that I could have just said, oh, I'm sorry. Well, anyway, we need to ask you about so-and-so. But we just stopped our deal. And I figured out real soon why I'm here. I figured out real soon, real soon why I didn't buy the gas, then go over there instead of, you know, going across the road twice. Because I would have been with Charlie, the next salesperson, and Charlie didn't need us that day. But this woman we'll call Linda did. Amen. I may not ever purchase that item. And I don't mean all her problems are solved, but I'm, I'm telling you, if you'd have been with us uh, Friday and you'd have been there before and after flying the wall, not because of anything we did, it was just the power of the spoken word. It was just the power of caring and compassion and love being poured out. It's what you call life abundantly that overflows. And so we, we, we know why we're here. We know the assignment. And then we stick to the mission. And then Jesus also understood that there's four kinds of people. Did you know that? And uh, well, now look, we won't throw names out today. Let's don't throw names out. But here's, here's four kinds of peoples. In life, you're going to meet adders. In life, you're going to meet subtractors. Some of you are going to meet dividers. Then you're going to meet multipliers. There's people who can add value to your life or add, <laughs> or add sorrow, right? There's people who's always pulling on you. 
Take it away. Those are subtractor, subtractors. There's, there's sometimes people who's always pulling for your attention from every direction. They're divided. You, 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 you're like, I mean, you, your nickname ought to be Fragment. They're just, they're, they're coming from the north, south, the east, and the west, and they're always pulling over here. But then you have other people who has what we call iron sharpening iron, and they multiply you. They take where you are, and you put that principle. Pastor preached it here not too long ago. You know that uh, two is better than one, and you get one, which is great with Jesus, and you put two together, man, you got something stronger than dirt. And so here it is, you got people, and, all, and these people are everywhere. So you're gonna, in life, you're just going to be adders and subtractors and dividers, and you're going to be multipliers. Which one are you going to be? Well, I want to be adder. I want to be a multiplier, don't you? Yeah. Amen. Now, God believes in prosperity. God believes in multiplication. God likes math. He has a book called Numbers. Yeah, that's right. So every relationship that you have today is affecting you positively or negatively. You ever thought about that? I mean, how, how many have some people in your life that you, when you get to go see them, you look forward to your time to spend time with them? Uh, we, we do that with your pastors. You're like, man, we get to, you talk to yeah, we, we schedule today. Woo! And, and, and I always leave, you know, thinking, how much do I owe you for seeing you today? Yes. You know, it's just like, man, I, I, I was doing okay when I got here. But man, I feel empowered. I, I, I'm looking for the devil again. Well, where's he at? Yes. And, uh, he, and Pastor, well, he's not around here. We don't let him in the neighborhood. So I said, oh, well, I'll go find him somewhere else and pick on him for a while. Well, we, we, we need multipliers. And, and, and God needs you to be a multiplier. Why? Because you got you, you got the 3D crowd. They're everywhere. You remember our first Samuel 22? Does anyone know anyone in distress in life? <laughs> no, never met someone. Well, we all know someone who's in distress about whatever, right? Uh, do you know anyone who's discontented with their life? Uh, have you ever met anyone in debt? If you don't know what that is, see me right after the service. I'll explain it. You know, we won't go to the Strong's or the Hebrews, and I'll just tell you what that is. So, so they're everywhere, and they're looking to change something. And God's called you to solve problems. So if we would change our mind about problems and how we view problems, we're thinking, I'm called, I'm called to solve a problem. Well, how, how do we know that? Well, what was Jesus' first sermon? Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for what? He's called me to do what? Y'all remember the first thing he's called to do? Preach the gospel to the who? Poor, solve a problem. Set captives free, solve a problem. Heal the broken heart, solve a problem. See, I'm anointed to solve problems. And when he said, well, and when I go, now I authorize you, I give you my power to do what? Solve problems. Solve problems. So we're trying to get problems in out of our life and he's trying to bring problems into your life because he gave you the solution to solve them. He gave the empowerment to solve them, right? Because he gave you what he had. He had gave you the greater one on the inside. So we say it this way at our church. We say, uh, because we know First John 4 says, greater is he that sent us than he that's in the world. How many know you have the greater one? Yeah. Right? Now, now, now where does he live? He lives in you. And he's greater, right? So... <clears throat> I've always asked the question. I've asked people, especially spirit-filled churches, I say, how many have the Holy Ghost? They'll say, whoo. I say, now how many does the Holy Ghost have you? And they'll say, well, well, I, I, you have him, but does he have you? Can he tell you to go across the road? And can he interrupt you for an hour 
And can he have you minister someone over here? Or do you, or you have to get to the cleaners and pick up the pizza and we go and we'll watch a movie tonight and you know, we'll just pray for it if we think about it. Hmm? In other words, who's calling the shots? Well, the Holy Ghost on the inside should be calling the shots. Should he not? Yes, he should. Amen. So, <clears throat> Jesus knew who he was and he knew what he possessed. Knew who he was, knew what he possessed, knew what he had, knew he could help people if he could get to them. Jesus also went everywhere people were. Do, do y'all remember the hunters? You used to call them the happy hunters with the healing ministry, Charles and Francis Hunter. They're, they're, they're both in heaven, and, they're in, and their daughter, of course, has the ministry, and they're really your own ministry, but Joan Hunter. But uh, I found a book years ago by the hunters. I was kind of shocked to find it, or my mother found it, brought it home from a thrift store. She said, here, here's your book. And I said, Charles and Francis Hunter. And it was about reaching the world. It was about reaching the lost. And I thought, I can, that's different for the hunters. Everything they do is about healing. But uh, I found out I was wrong. They, they were, uh, and they always traveled out of John Osteen's church, you know, from Texas years ago. And uh, they would tell, uh, the hunters would go to churches. And uh, Francis Hunter said it this way. She said, they said, now, we're glad that you're here. Now, we don't have a big church. We don't have, a, we don't have many people here. It's because we have, our teaching is so deep in Revelation. It just, it, it just, well, our Revelation is, is so good. Our pastor has so, so great a Revelation that the word's so deep that, the, you know, the, the untaught, the unlearned, it's just too deep for them to, to get into this place. She said, I said, you, you understand what it means? She says, no, I don't understand at all. Well, yeah, well, I mean, we know we, we just get a lot of revelation here. We're just not the hub church and fellowship and have a cash roll. We, I mean, we're word people. She says, that's great. She said, she said, well, I, uh, I could help you guys. She said, you could? Yeah. She said, I'm going to ask that the Lord send someone here with a big mouth. She said, what? Francis said, I'm going to pray that the Lord send someone here with a big mouth who actually talk because no one is witnessing the gospel to anybody here. And that's why you're small. It's not because you're deep. It's because you're shallow. And I read that and I said, uh-oh. I better shallow up a little bit. <laughs> well, Jesus' heart is what? To win the lost. That's what he's here for. I mean, what good would it do if you got him healed and he wasn't saved and then went to hell? Okay, so you got your leg that was busted up, your fixed right before they went to hell. Whoopee. Hmm? So, first off, his heart was to came. He said he came to seek and save that which was lost. So, he needs you. He needs what you possess. He needs your gifts. He needs your talents. He needs your heart. He needs your hands, he needs your legs, he needs, he needs your voice. And uh, so we will not succeed in life until we are connected to people. Not according to his terms. I asked him that in 2002. Well, I got to do to get your attention. I said, it doesn't seem like you're interested in what I'm doing. He says, not much. I had more people then I've ever, than I've ever had to, that, to this day. We had more finances back then than I, I have to this day. And he said in that day, I'm not much interested in what you're doing. But they said, but, but he didn't leave me there. He said, but do you want to know? Yeah. Go get your Bible. Go to 1 Samuel 22. He said, this is where the harvest is. Are you willing to work in the harvest? He says, because many aren't. Are you willing to reach the discontented? Are you willing to spend some time with someone who's disheartened? Is contemplating maybe making this the last day of their life because they're afraid tomorrow is going to look like today or worse and they can't think they can take another day of it. So they're looking for a way out. 
Well, they're everywhere. We may call them statistics, but there's this people with names. And so that's what we're called the rule and reign with Christ over. And uh, so your gift and talents and your anointing is for your assignment. It's not for, it's not for you. It's for them. You're, you're anointed for someone else. You're appointed for someone else. And uh, so we're a believer. Well, believers, another way of saying that is if you're a believer, you're a possessor. E.W. Kenyon would always put that in his books. He said a believer is no more than a possessor. They possess the life of God and nature of God in their spirit. So we've got to make, we got to make ourselves accessible to others. Are we accessible? And uh, uh, there's a, a host of people in the Bible that, that made themselves accessible. Well, we know, we know Noah did. God asked him to go to Home Depot, get him some art plans, you know, and, uh, and buy a bunch of lumber, right? And it took him and his sons, what, a hundred years to build a boat, to put a bunch of animals on it and eight people. Eight people. Of course, eight means new beginning. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's some animals, that's why I'm not God, that I would not have let two of them get on there so that we wouldn't see them again. I don't know why mosquitoes exist. I don't know why fire ants exist. Maybe to create an industry to kill them. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what it's about. But he had to get all, he, he built a boat for a hundred years while people were laughing at him. But he made himself accessible to God. So did Moses. So did Joseph. So did Ruth. So did David. So did Samuel. So did Paul. I was reading the scripture this morning about Paul. said he was in Iconium preaching and he made the Jews mad. And when, and when he was preaching to the Jews at Iconium, they got so mad that they took him outside the city and they stoned him, supposing him to be dead. That's maybe it wasn't a good sermon for him. Amen. And, uh, excuse me, I'm, I told the church last week, the reason why preachers drink water so I hope they won't have a dry sermon. And uh, <laughs> but he 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 made himself accessible. So when they left him outside the city, supposing that he was dead, it said the disciples gathered around him and they prayed for him, and he raised back to life. The next scripture says then he went back into the city. They just stoned him. I, I I'd like to think I was I would do that, but I'm like. Oh, I'm going to take that as a no <laughs> and try over here. Paul went back in the same city. Well, he made himself accessible to the kingdom of God, didn't he? And so to be accessible, we have to go where Jesus went to where people were. Now, everything doesn't work, you know, like dominoes coming to you or pizza cup coming to you. You know, if you want a newspaper, which is almost extinct, you, you, you well, you don't have to. They'll throw it on. You know, you, you, you live in town. I leave Pastor's house over here. I, you know, it, you know, I'm 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 in the country. And when I say country, I'm in the country. And I, I mean, I'm hearing cows. I'm hearing chickens. I'm hearing all this stuff in the morning. And uh, and uh, I live in a town that didn't have the dry cleaners. So I came out of his house a couple years ago and I said, what's that little hook right there? He says for the dry cleaners. I said, what? He said, he's culture and I'm agriculture. And I said, what's that? He said, the cleaners. I said, well, I don't get it. He says, 
we put our laundry there, they pick it up, and then they bring it back and hook it there. And I said, oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Huh? Well, I can go to one if I want to travel 15 miles. So what we have is something, you know, it's old-fashioned. It's called an ironing board and an iron. And we have many pressing situations. <laughs> It'll come to you this afternoon. But anyway, so, so we live. So, but we, we, have to, we have to be mobile. We have to be looking. If you want to fish and catch fish, you probably will never find any in your bathtub. Why? You have to go with fish are. Is that right? And, uh, you know, if you want to go watch football, uh, you know, and, well, there's a stadium not too far from now here in the, in the Holy City here. Or, excuse me, I mean, over here in the city. I told Pastor one day, I said, I said, you and I are so close, so many things. I said, I'll follow you anywhere, do anything you want to do. I said, unless you, oh, excuse me, Grace Life Church. I said, unless you become an Auburn fan, then I'm going to get off. And so, so far, he's, he's, he's stays saved. Sorry, Grace Life. Praise the Lord. We're, you know, the, the, the further you get south, you, you get a little confusion. I mean, you get a little uh, uh, different. Yeah, well, praise the Lord. Moving right along. So, Jesus, where, where did you find them? He found him in the marketplace. Right? You find him in the streets, you find him on the hillsides. What was he doing? He was he was reaching people. He was teaching people. He was making himself accessible. How many would agree that Jesus was probably the greatest teacher of the New Testament? Yes. Or the gospel, right? Here's something to note about him. Not my saying, T.L. Osmond's saying. T.L. Osmond said, the greatest preacher in the Bible in the world didn't have a pulpit. He only had a dusty trail. The greatest teacher in the Bible did not have a pulpit. Only a dusty trail. So you found him out where people were. And that, and that caused a crowd. Well, do we want to have a crowd for the right purpose? Then we need to get out where people are and start ministering the same good news that Jesus ministered. And we'll get the same results. I wasn't asking the lady yesterday, do you want my website? Do you want a website to this church I know about? She said, is there any way I can get hold of your stuff? Why? Well, because there was a need. I have a church. I, I have a, a banner in my church, in my sanctuary. Sometimes y'all take it down because after a while we don't notice anymore. Like there's a there's a uh, picture out there, and I, I know what it is because I know where it came from. It came from Clanton from years ago. And a lady used to go to my church. She had a Bible bookstore, and they, they saw it, liked it, and there it still is. But after a while, it becomes a fixture, and we really don't pay attention to it. Well, in my church, there's a, bond, a, 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 a banner that says, find a need and meet it and find a problem and solve it. You wouldn't be hard-pressed to find a problem or a need, would you? And so Jesus would make himself reachable. He was, he was a teacher, but he, which, or they called him rabbi, but he was, which is a teacher, but he was also a reacher. He was reaching out. So we want to be aware of our surroundings and aware of what's in us. Know our mission. Know our assignment. Know what we're called to do. Stick with your mission. Do it with joy. Do it with joy. I mean, you, you, you ought to have fun doing this. We had so much fun. And on the way home, we said, we said, not, not, I said, now, wasn't that fun? She said, it sure was. She said, well, that was genuine. You know, you, you, you minister the gospel and someone's actually excited. You know, 
this, this woman was left with hope that my situation doesn't have to be this way. And, and it, 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 just took, it just took a few minutes. It just took a few minutes. Amen. And uh, someone said, well, I want to do that, but I'm afraid someone will reject me. What do you mean if you step out? Well, I'll be honest to you. They will. Someone's going to reject you. But successful people believe that the goal is worth it. Not everyone's going to receive it because they didn't receive Jesus, did they? You don't think you're going to get better results than he did, do you? No. Jesus wasn't always received, was he? No. There was a time that he, his first sermon, you know, they didn't give him a stand ovation. His first sermon, they're going to throw him off a cliff. <laughs> off a cliff. So think about Jesus. Think about he left the comfort of heaven. He left the presence of the Heavenly Father. He left a perfect kingdom to be born into the world that was imperfect as a human being. He left, he left in a sense, a, a, a identity of deity to become a human being, to be born in a manger. By doing that, he encountered rejection, abuse, confusion, deception, violence of people. He was criticized, talked about, misunderstood, put down, grossly misunderstood, and then toppled off and crucified him. He put himself out there. But he walked into the lives of people who needed him. He went where people, he went where people were. So that's what we have in us. The Bible says Christ in us, the hope of glory. So God chose, uh, I, I was riding this on the way here, Michelle was driving us, God chose to do his work in us and through us. And he had to, he, he had to have this question somewhere along the line. Because in the new covenant, we have the Holy Spirit in us, right? Old Testament, they didn't have that. New Testament, they did. So it's God within. So God knew the purpose wasn't going to change, but he, the question had to come up. If I change how this works of, of me without and people coming to a priest or people coming you know, uh, bringing the animal once a year and, you know, slaying the animal and sacrifices and the shedding of blood. And, well, when, when Jesus tore the veil, he tore the entrance. And now we go into the very presence of the Holy Holies, but now it's no longer behind the veil, is it? The veil is right here. It's been torn. And, and, and now, now we enter in. And so he's in us. So God had to ask the question to himself. If he, has to, if he asked the question, he says, to accomplish my mission... Can I accomplish the mission if I move into them? People have never been able to, to act, act, access God in the old covenant the way we do. You always went to where he was. You went to the prophet or the priest. But in the New Testament, he says, I'm changing it. No longer will they come to me. I'm come to them. They'll find me because I'm going to actually I'm going to come in them. So he had to ask the question, but can I still can I still continue and fulfill the purpose and the mission if I if I go live in them? In other words, the question is, will I have to reduce my standard to coming in them, or can I come in them and raise them to my standard? God knew that if you would make yourself accessible, he would make you his address. He would make you his headquarters and he could still do what Christ did on the earth if he lived inside of you. So, I, I said this a while ago and I didn't finish. So, people say, well, what do y'all do? I said, well, at Grace Life Church, we do HD, SD. 
They say, you do what? I think it's a class. Well, it could be a class that says, oh, we're Holy Ghost stuff doers. We're HDSD. I said, what's that? I said, that's that Holy Ghost stuff. So I told you, it, culture and agriculture. Yeah, so, so, so we do that Holy Ghost stuff. Well, reaching people, changing lives, what Jesus said he was anointed to do was to be a reacher. Not, not just a teacher. Thank God for teachers. But if teachers never reach out, they don't accomplish the heart of God. Right? Jesus came by precept and example. He taught and then he demonstrated. Y'all remember Pastor Buzzy? He said, you're supposed to be out there passing out some samples. Don't just tell them about Christ in you. He says, pass out a sample of it. Amen. So your dream or your assignment should be connected to people. You just think about it. It's easy to connect to people. Doctors need patients. Singers need musicians. Salesmen need customers. Lawyers need clients. Corporations need employees. Dogs need vets or people. The list goes on and on and on. So Jesus found where people were hurting. He went to the lame, went to the wealthy, he went to the poorest of the poorest, he went to the learned and the unlearned, he went to the ignorant, he went to the hungry, and he went to the thirsty. So God uses all kinds of people. I love the story in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John were actually being chastised. They were being chastised because they raised that man up at the gate beautiful. Remember that in Acts chapter what, 3? And they got chastised. And uh, isn't it funny how religion, how mean it is? Well, you got them healed, you did it on the wrong day. Remember the woman who was bowed over for 18 years? They got on to Jesus because she'd been this way for 18 years. And he said, woman, you ought to be loose from your infirmity. You're a daughter of Abraham. And they're mad at Jesus. They said because he did it on the wrong day. I was thinking, well, what have y'all been doing for 18 years? And now that Jesus came and did it on the wrong day. Well, they didn't care about that woman, did they? No, they didn't care about that woman. Well, so here it is. We have this assignment from God, and uh, we're making ourselves accessible. Jesus went to the hurting people. and uh, But Peter and John, what it said in that story, because everyone knew this man. He, he had a license to beg. He was there for his whole life. He was lame his whole life. Peter and John said, I don't have silver and gold to give you, remember? He said, but look on me. I do have something to give you. He said, look on us. He didn't say, well, pray for you at church. We'll put you on the remembrance list. He says, look on us. We have something to give. What was Peter John saying to the lame man? We got something. We got something that's good. Man, we got something that's good that'll help you. You're asking for money. We can, we can do better than that. So they knew what they had. They knew what their assignment was. They stuck to their mission. They saw the man. They had need. Don't think they had a word of knowledge. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. They just saw the man had a need. They knew they could change it. I've got something. It's good. It'll change your life. If I got it, I can send it out. Change the man's life. Well, he got up and got, got excited and got dancing around. And it made, of course, the sad you see is sad. Hmm? So we need to remember what, what we possess and then be willing to pursue it. Be willing to pursue it. Successful people always begin somewhere at the same moment with someone. So sometimes you have to just motivate yourself. Sometimes it's just attitude to get started. You know, attitude is so important. And it's also prayer. Amen. 
When you pray, you're, you're putting yourself in position. You're asking the Holy Spirit to lead you. I read one time an acronym for prayer. Uh, you know, each 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 letter means something. So it said P means for prayer means I have power because the presence is in me. R is I'm rich because his resources are at my disposal. A is I have all I need because he is at work in me. Y of prayer is I say yes to God's dream because I'm part of his plan. E is I have energy because he's invigorated me from within. And R is I am renewed because I'm alive with his life and I share his purpose. Prayer, prayer, prayer. So what are we going to do? Your Pastor Bill says it this way. He says, what are you going to do with your one and only life? You ever heard him say that? Yeah. What are we going to do with our one and only life? Amen. Who's out there today? Who will you run across? It's just sometimes when we're, we're, we're we go the same places, the same time, the same way, God pick a different route if you can. You'll just, I, I, have, I have a friend who's on my board from Missouri. He's uh, serves, he works at Keith Moore Ministries. He's been on my board for a few years. And he came to my house few years ago, and then he uh, saw a picture that Michelle picked up, put on the wall, and he called me a couple years ago, and we still got it. It's still on the wall, but she changed which, which wall. And uh, so he, he called, he said, he said, Eric, what's that? Uh, he said, that couch there in the, the sitting room over there, he says, uh, he says, we, 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 tell me exactly what that says. He said, I, I read that a couple years when I was there. And I, I think I can quote it, but tell me what it says. And I says, what picture? He said, you know, the sitting room you got off your kitchen? I said, yeah. He said, you have a picture over the couch? I said, I do. <laughs> he says, well, yeah, unless, I want, unless I'm crazy. I said, hang on. I walk in there and over the couch, there it is. It's something about don't wait till life's whatever, go ahead and dance in the rain kind of thing, you know. And I read, he said, yeah. He said, you didn't know how the picture? And I said, he said, well, that was two years ago. He said, ask Michelle how long you had. I said, okay, hang on. How long we had that picture? Oh, about six years. Well, insurance companies will tell you, just by their own records, that most people have accidents, whether their accidents are fatal, five miles or less of their home. Right? It must be because we're very familiar with the territory, so we, we can't let our guard down because we know the we, we know the area, we know the terrain, so we're doing what we shouldn't be doing, texting or doing whatever. We're paying the least amount of attention when we are the most familiar. Hmm? See, you can work with people, and because you're used to the people and you're used to the same routine, you cannot be looking and not be listening and not be watching and this person that I called Linda could come across your life who's devastated. She said, I was almost about ready to go home because I can't keep my mind. I mean, I was in my office going crazy. She says, you all must be sent from heaven like angels or something. I'm thinking, no, we just came to look at this over here and, and you had a need. And we was like Peter and John. Silver and gold have a none such as I have, I can give you. I got it. You need it. It's about to change your life. And we're going to change this whole situation with your daughter. We're going to take authority over this thing right now. We did that. We hooked her up to some websites. She has access to, to get some information. And you might be meeting her pretty soon. How about that?
Well, that's just making you accessible, uh, accessible to him. So many people uh, say, well, I, I can't do it, but you can because you have the greater one in you. So um, I think this it will close with this. I shared this with my church last Sunday morning. It's one of my favorite verses out of Isaiah. Uh, this whole this whole chapter is um, speaking of prophetical words of the Messiah. This is about actually of Jesus before he's born on earth. But uh, so this would be actually Jesus. It, it, this would actually be spoken of the Messiah. It's Isaiah 50 verse 4. And it says, morning by morning, he awakens me and he opens my understanding to his will. If you continue to read the verses, you'll know it's talking about Jesus because he said, I'll give my back to the smiters. I'll give my face for those who have plucked the hair out. So we're not talking, he's talking about Jesus. But Jesus said, morning by morning, he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. So Jesus was expecting to hear from the Father every day with a listening ear. He says, in order that I might be able to speak a word in due season to the right person at the right time. So he had to make himself a listener and he had to make himself accessible and he had to be, be yielded to go. And I just think it's a, a verse that we ought to keep in front of us all the time. Maybe have it written somewhere that you say morning by morning. In other words, he didn't say every other morning or every other month, but morning by morning. This is Jesus' words. He awakens me. He opens up my understanding to His will that I might speak a word, that I might speak a word in due season to a person that they need to hear at the right time. And so he, 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 he gives us updates. I was telling church last week, every president has, President Trump does, every morning, every day of his presidency, he gets, he gets reports from around the world. Hmm? He gets updated reports. This is what may be happening in Syria. This is maybe what happening, you know, with a rocket man over here. You know, this is this is what's happening over here, and this is what's happening over there. And uh, you know, our people on the ground are saying this. Uh, doesn't mean he needs to go, you know, find the little red telephone in the, in the in the red case and blow nothing up. But he's he's giving updates morning by morning, and uh, so morning by morning we should be getting updates. You know, the the difference was. Uh, because that's the way sales works. I could have stopped and got gas. It made more sense. Lights on, got four or five miles left. No one's ever tried this car at four miles. Mm. I remember when I did this a few years ago. Mm. Mm. Boy, it's hot today. Mm. But I just said, but I kept on hearing, no, go, just, just go right there. Just 100 more yards, turn left. And I thought, well, I have to cross the road on the way back. And it, but I did it. If we'd have been three or four minutes later, we'd have had a different salesperson. So I think, now you, don't quote me on this because, you know, it's almost like God knows the future. <laughs> uh, I, I'm still studying about that, but I, I think He kind of knows what's, what's ahead of us. But, you know, you, you got your own opinion, but that's, that, that's just me. I, so you, you don't have to agree with me, but that doesn't look like almost like God knows the, the future I believe he does so he's here to help us so we bless you this morning and for those watching by Facebook or who will watch it we bless you we bless you in your home we speak peace over your life and over your home and over your family speak healing to your bodies I kept hearing something this morning 
someone uh, having some uh, problems in the, the digestive tract. Don't know if it's here at my church or on Facebook, but I just speak healing to that situation. I don't know if it involves heartburn or whatever. You have a problem with the intestines or the esophagus, but you're, you'll find out that you're being healed right now in the mighty name of Jesus. There's someone having some problems uh, with uh, uh, your, your, your right ear. Don't know what it is, if it's just loss of hearing or something going on in the ear canal, whatever it is. So here at my church, or on the Internet, your ear out there, you might say, what's well, my left ear? I'm pretty sure the Lord jumped right over. It's just a few more inches. Don't worry about it. So I call your ears healed. He'll correct whatever needs to be corrected in the mighty name of Jesus. So from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, we declare you healthy and whole in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great day. Look forward to seeing you real soon. God bless you.